0: Dr. Cooper, um, there's an internal system of receptors referring to or relating to endocannabinoids. Uh, do you believe that this is an indication of some kind of coevolution that we've had with the cannabis plant?
1: <laughs> do I believe that there's a coevolution? It's interesting. I mean, there's you know there's a lot of receptors in our brain and body that respond to other plant chemicals, right? So like the opium plant, the coca plant. So this isn't necessarily unusual. I think it's a really important feature that people understand that we have an endocannabinoid system that responds to the chemicals in the cannabis plant. Whether or not we evolved, I think an interesting example might be the fact that there are cultivators that have bred in the last 20 years, certain cannabis cultivars to produce cannabis chemicals that People prefer, right? So, so that's an example of of modern day evolution of the cannabis plant.
0: In Indiana, in the last legislative session, they were uh, looking to possibly make the delta eight variant uh, illegal. They ended up not unsure if they were going to get rid of a certain uh, amount of things that are legal with, with uh, CBD, and they swapped it out, I guess, for um, permitless carrying of a, a handgun, which shows you that some of the legislative priorities they have here. I don't know if you're familiar with that or if that's also what's going on in other states. It's kind of being billed, even by some of these people at the shops, uh, that Delta-8 is a mild high. And so I guess that's the problem. Is Are there any therapeutic benefits to what is called a high? and do you see that delta 8 is going to be become banned soon in a broad sense
1: first with respect to delta 8 thc and what we know about its effects both its intoxicating effects as well as its potential medicinal therapeutic effects there've only been a handful of studies looking at delta 8 thc in people and in fact you know one was published recently in in three people that vaporized delta 8 thc but the other four were done decades ago. Some of them compare the Delta-8 THC to Delta-9 THC. Delta-9 THC is a primary psychoactive and intoxicating component of the cannabis plant that is considered to be Schedule One at the federal level when it's in the marijuana plant. So delta-9-THC, it has these adverse effects. It does produce intoxication. It does produce impairment with memory and attention. But we also know that delta-9-THC has therapeutic effects. And so the question here is delta-8-THC. Can it produce some of these potential therapeutic effects that are similar to delta-9-THC but have Less of the adverse effects like intoxication. What I think you're hearing from consumers that this is a quote unquote light Delta 9 THC is in relation to its pharmacological characteristics, characteristics, its chemical characteristics, in that Delta-8 THC is thought to be what's called less potent than Delta-9 THC. So it could have the same effects as Delta-9 THC but you need higher doses. And so what's happening is that the doses that people are using of Delta-8 THC, it might produce intoxication, it might produce some impairment, but that level of intoxication and that level of impairment is less than what people are usually experiencing with the doses that they're using for Delta-9-THC. And so this is why we're hearing that this is like a light cannabis or a light Delta-9-THC. Now, can Delta-8-THC have the same therapeutic effects that we think Delta-9-THC has with less of the intoxication, less of the impairment? And I think that that's a really important question to ask that hasn't necessarily been probed thoroughly at all. There was one study Um, a couple of decades ago that, that looked at Delta 8 THC and its potential for helping with nausea in kids that were undergoing cancer therapy. And that particular study found that Delta 8 THC in the format it was given was very helpful in reducing the nausea. And it didn't have the type of adverse effects that you'd expect with Delta 9 THC. And so that was like a nice early signal that Delta-8 THC might be helpful therapeutically. But I can't stress this enough that this was just one study, right? And what we have here is a lot of people using Delta-8 THC, probably some people using it for medical reasons, some people using it for non-medical reasons. And at this point in time, the research is... Slow, you know, we we are unaware of the potential therapeutic effects of Delta eight THC, and what are some of the negative effects that people might expect when they use it?
0: Well, and is not that uh, limited research base somewhat due to the stigma and illegality that's been over the plant for some time, and is therefore also not really been investment in looking at it as a product to therefore study?
1: Keeping the focus on Delta-8 THC and whether or not there's been the stigma and the regulations that have made studying cannabis difficult from a therapeutic perspective, keeping in mind Delta-8 THC, there's been a lot of focus, decades worth of focus, investigating the therapeutic effects of Delta-9 THC. This is much more abundant in the cannabis plant than Delta-8 THC. Delta-8 THC occurs at very small concentrations in the cannabis plant naturally. So in my opinion delta 8 THC wasn't necessarily you know the low hanging fruit to investigate as a chemical produced by the cannabis plant for its therapeutic effects. The low hanging fruits as you've seen is the delta 9 THC again which has been studied for decades for its therapeutic effects and what we're starting to see now cannabidiol CBD you know the potential therapeutic effects because again these plant varieties can be grown and cultivated to have high levels of CBD. Delta-8 THC, since it happens in such low concentrations in the cannabis plant, I don't think it was necessarily an obvious choice to investigate thoroughly or to be able to you know, spend the money, the funds to be able to study that chemical for therapeutic effects. I think now that people are using it and people might be reporting its potential therapeutic effects, I think now it's become, there's been a spotlight on it. And so I think we will start seeing research on this particular chemical.
0: And you mentioned uh, nausea as one of those therapeutic effects to do with cancer, the like. Uh, what are some of the other therapeutic applications? So
1: one would hypothesize or think that you know the therapeutic applications for delta eight THC would be very similar to those of delta nine THC, but perhaps with lower Adverse consequences, and so some of the therapeutic effects that are studied and some have been well established of delta nine THC are related to the anti-nausea effects, uh, reduced vomiting, also increases in appetite, which is really important in large numbers of patient populations that have very minimal appetite. And what happens is when people have reduced appetite, the other symptoms of their illness. Get exacerbated. And so reduction in appetite is a really important symptom to target. Chronic pain is another therapeutic, potential therapeutic application of Delta-9 THC. There's been quite a bit of evidence showing that Delta-9 THC is helpful for certain indications where spasticity plays a role. So, for example, multiple sclerosis, as well as um, sleep. So people who have illnesses or diseases where sleep disruptions are one of the core symptoms. When people use Delta-9-THC or therapies with Delta-9-THC in certain settings, there's been a reduction in those sleep disruptions. And I think that is also going to be an important area of research. And so again, thinking about Delta-8-THC and Delta-9-THC as being parallel, a lot of those therapeutic effects that we see with Delta-9-THC, we would think would also relate to Delta-8-THC. In today's feature report, WFHB correspondent Zero Rose speaks with Dr. Ziva Cooper, the director of the UCLA Center for Cannabis and Cannabinoids. Dr. Cooper is also an associate professor at the Semmel Institute for Neuroscience and Human Behavior in the Department of Psychiatry and Biobehavioral Sciences and the Department of Anesthesiology. She focuses on preclinical and clinical studies on the behavioral and psychological effects of psychoactive drugs that are of significant public health relevance, including cannabis and opioids. She received her PhD from the University of Michigan in biopsychology in 2007 in the field of preclinical psychopharmacology.
0: Her current research involves understanding the neurobiological, pharmacological and behavioral variables that can influence both the abuse liability and therapeutic potential of cannabinoids and opioids she served on the national academies of sciences committee on the health effects of marijuana that recently published a comprehensive consensus report of the health effects of cannabis and cannabinoids we now turn to correspondent zero rose for the second part of the two-part interview with Dr. Ziva Cooper, might uh, antidepressant be be one of those one of those factors? I believe they're finding out new things about whether some of the previous antidepressants serotonin mechanism is not necessarily what's working, and they don't necessarily understand how or why they do work.
1: I think looking at the endocannabinoid system as a whole that you were talking about before, understanding if the endocannabinoid system, the chemicals that our body naturally makes that binds to those same receptors that THC binds to, can they be leveraged? Can can drugs that leverage that system be made to address depression? I think that that's, that's going to be something that people are gonna be looking at over time. With THC, Delta-9 THC and cannabis use, you know, there seems to be some, some tricky findings where some people use Delta-9-THC and cannabis to help with depression, and it can help in the moment, but over time, symptoms of depression can get worse. We see that in adolescents and young adults, there is a association between depression and cannabis use. We don't know if cannabis use is causing depression or if people who have depression are using cannabis to help with, with depression. So we don't know the direction of this association yet, but I expect that probably in the future there will be studies that will will be looking at these, you know, THC chemicals and potentially its effects on depression.
0: Yeah, and getting down into the specifics of the level of dosage, whether you can change it in any direction by going up or down, it seems that there's kind of new factors being brought in since cannabis has been made so potent. Right, That didn't necessarily exist before, you know, with the wonders of botany and, and improving methods that they may be kind of causing uh, unintended consequences. The synthetic cannabinoids, is it clear about uh, some of their uh, downsides? They've been made illegal and there's a lot of stories about problems that people have had from it, including possibly even uh Strange deaths and things., uh, do you understand what what's going on with the synthetic cannabinoids, and uh, maybe just because there's something going, you know being produced that's not necessarily closely regulated, or if there is something about the actual process of how they're produced?
1: So this is a good question, and it goes back to when we first started seeing these cannabis like products coming to the market as early as 2008 in Europe and then in 2012 in the United States where these products called K2, Spice, Scooby Snacks were being sold. And they were plant material essentially, but the plant material was adulterated with, or there were chemicals that were sprayed on this plant material. And those chemicals, as you say, they were synthetic cannabinoids, meaning that they were totally derived in the laboratory, but they were cannabinoids in that they act very similarly or at places in the brain and the body that delta-9-THC acts at as well. The difference, though, with these products and with these chemicals is that a lot of these chemicals acted in different ways at this receptor. So some of these chemicals would turn this receptor on all the way, where delta-9-THC turns the receptor on only half of the way. And so there were adverse effects that people were reporting, severe adverse effects that people were reporting when they were using these types of synthetic cannabinoid products. Another issue with these synthetic cannabinoid products is that people didn't know what type of chemicals were they were going to get when they got one bag of spice versus another bag of spice. And also the concentration of these chemicals varied within each pack, right? So you could smoke the first half of one of these packs and not feel anything, but all the chemicals might've settled down to the bottom. And so when you smoke the bottom part, you might expect that you wouldn't feel anything cause you already smoked half of it and you didn't feel that much of an effect. But all of a sudden you get all of these chemicals exposed to all of these chemicals that weren't present in that first half of the pack. And so you mentioned this idea of regulation. So these products were not regulated. They were comprised of many different chemicals and compounds that might act similarly to THC but might have a stronger effect on that receptor or might last a lot longer than THC. And you had people not really knowing what the effects were and also not understanding that we didn't know what the effects were. And so maybe people thought they were safe because they were being sold in gas stations or smoke shops. We learned a lot from that era. And as you say, a lot of those compounds were banned or now schedule one, and we've seen decreased popularity of them. And in fact, there was an article that showed that in states with medical cannabis and non-medical cannabis laws, there's been a reduction in the use of those compounds. So, you know, when we talk about Delta-8 THC and some of these other compounds that we're going to see that are being synthesized from the cannabis plant, like Delta-10 THC, are we going to see something similar that we saw with these synthetic cannabinoids, K2, Spice, Scooby Snacks? I think that based off of Delta-8-THC and what we know, where it's very similar to Delta-9-THC, I would not expect those types of adverse effects. However, it's important to remember that in these Delta-8-THC products, there might be other chemicals in there that might have more adverse effects than let's say what we would think Delta-8-THC would have. And so there are certain states that I think are seeing calls to poison control or calls to the emergency room where people have used these Delta-8 THC products and are having significant adverse reactions. Are those adverse reactions due to Delta-8 THC in those products, or is it that there might be other chemicals in those products that are producing those severe adverse effects? And at this point, I think it's a little bit too early to say.
0: In terms of uh, CBD and the other, you know, non-psychoactive or considered not as psychoactive components, is uh, anti-inflammatory qualities, is that part of their therapeutic use for pain? And are there any others that are maybe not as well known?
1: It might be. Yeah. So one of the hypothesized ways that CBD might be helpful for pain or for a variety of health indications might be that it is proposed to have anti-inflammatory effects that hasn't necessarily been fully fleshed out yet in human studies but in animal studies it looks like CBD can have anti-inflammatory effects and that might help for you know therapeutic effects THC might also have uh, anti-inflammatory effects as well so i think that when we talk about cannabinoids a lot of them a lot of them may have this anti-inflammatory component to it that might be helpful for a lot of different health indications
0: And do you think that isolating these elements might take away some of the known effects that the cluster of chemicals may have a synergetic kind of suite of effects that when you isolate the different elements, you're kind of creating an entirely new situation?
1: So at this point in time, based off of like the rigorous clinical trials that have been done, um, looking at the therapeutic effects of the chemicals in the cannabis plant, for the most part, they've been isolated. So we've looked at isolated THC, Delta-9 THC, isolated CBD, maybe the two together. But at this point in time, there haven't been rigorous studies. So where you're comparing the test medication to a placebo, where you've looked at all these components together and figured out if you use all the components in the cannabis plant, will you get a better therapeutic effect? It's an interesting hypothesis, and people are working on this hypothesis and testing this out right now. We're doing this in our lab right now, actually, where we're looking at some of these individual components and their effects by themselves, and then together to see if you can get improved therapeutic effects, reduced negative effects. But at this point in time, you know, based off of the scientific evidence, we can't say that that is a true effect at this point in time.